Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey everyone, it's Raheel and we made it to another Friday. I'm bringing in political contributor and Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz and writer and contributor Shyam Galyan to talk about the surge in gun violence, a deeper look at the population growth in the region, and other important stories from the week. It's Friday, April 14th. I'm Raheel Ramzanali, and here's what Houston is talking about. Ah, uh, yes, a beautiful spring Friday in the city of Houston. And the only way to get us going on this beautiful day is with Evan Mintz and Shiam. Welcome in. How are y'all? You know, there's only one way to be on a beautiful spring Friday morning, Raheel. You know, I don't even know why you asked us how we're doing. I think we're doing great. I've, I've never spoken for another man. Evan, I just spoke for you. Are you doing great? <laughs> no, this is wonderful. This weather is beautiful. I am thoroughly enjoying it. Well, let's get our roundup going here and talk about the biggest stories, the most overlooked stories, and of course, our moment of joy. So kick us off. What was your biggest story of the week? You know, I've never done this, Raheel. Usually I bring you one story, but I think the the biggest story this week is um, multiple stories. I just kept seeing stories of gun violence. I stopped counting after 11 headlines. Yeah, there were so many headlines. And I think it's, and we saw it all over social media as well, where people were posting about there's been more mass shootings and days in the year. And it's constantly, we see it. And of course, Evan, I know this is a topic that's uh, near and dear to you when it comes to gun violence and reforming some of the laws. It, it's just been one of those weeks where we've seen these headlines of these tragic events, and it, it just doesn't stop, it seems like. One of the core problems we have dealing with gun violence is that we just don't have the basic data necessary to provide accurate assessments. It isn't reported in a timely, accurate manner. We don't compare apples to apples across states, so you can't really do comparisons of whether different policies are working or not. And we don't even compare in any accurate way uh, the number of non-fatal gun injuries that happen in this country. Uh, you have to dive into hospital records to try to find that stuff. And so I really think that if we want to treat this like the public health epidemic that it is, we have to treat it like any other disease, collect the data, fund the research, solve the problem. And we're just not doing that in America. On Monday, we will be publishing an episode where we look at some new data from the analyst office about youth firearm violences and the people who put the report together. So we'll have that and we'll explore that a little bit more. But uh, Shiam, you're talking about just gun violence in general. And I want to throw this out here. This is something I see in comments on social media when somebody suggests that, hey, we need some changes here. And people say, immediately go, that's not going to work. My one piece of information I want to put out there is, can we at least try it? Can we try implementing some changes? And if that doesn't work, 
let's try something else. And if that doesn't work, let's try something else. Let, let's keep trying. Let's not let the fear of it might not work stop us from trying. Like what works on the first time? Nothing works on the first time. Can we at mm -hmm. least try? And that's the frustrating part is where people immediately go, oh, that's not going to work. No, I think you're right on to something. A metaphor I'd heard from a gun policy expert was that it feels a lot like early 90s trying to tackle AIDS. You've got a lot of little treatments that work, might work, people aren't sure. Well, you had this idea of the AIDS cocktail. We're just going to throw everything at it all at once and see what happens. You have to have a similar policy dealing with guns. It's not just policing. It's not just violence intervention. It's not just environmental improvements. It's everything. You've got to throw everything at it, and then you've got to track the data, track the outcome, and figure out what's working and what's not. I think one of the stop gaps in changing the spirit that you're getting at, Raheel, because you're right, we could be piloting a bunch of different ideas, but I think one of the stop gaps is the NRA. So we'd also have to regulate how people are lobbying for their political interests. Yeah. Against, you know, public interest. Yeah. There, I mean, there's so many different elements at work, but let's start tackling some of these issues instead of just going, nah, it's not going to work. Come on. It's not going to work. Bad guys are going to get guns either way. Okay, well, let's try. That's all. Let's just try. Evan, how about you? What was your biggest story of the week? I think the biggest story of the week is that the controller's race for city of Houston is really starting to get heated. We've seen Orlando Sanchez jump into it, longtime local politician. You've got Chris Hollins, who was running for mayor, moving into it. And even beforehand, you had this interesting race between two different types of Republicans, Dave Martin and Michael Kubosh. And things are really churning there. And usually these controller races are kind of sleepy affairs. The mayor's race takes the, the top thing. I don't think so. Like This is really starting to be fascinating to me, particularly Orlando Sanchez as this uh, Harold Stassen always running character, except that he wins a lot of the time. He was an at-large city council member. He ran twice for mayor against Lee Brown and Bill White, lost twice but made it to the runoffs. He was county treasurer from 2006 until the Democratic sweep in 2018. Now, what does the county treasurer do? That's a good question, but he won it. And I keep thinking about this story my dad told me when Orlando Sanchez was running for mayor. It was like late summer, August, September, you know, the elections in November. Here's a knock at the door. He sees Orlando Sanchez, these piercing blue eyes in a full suit out in the Houston heat asking for his vote. Well, if you want it that bad, buddy, you must really want it. And so at the same time, you got Chris Hollins, who really was mayoral quality candidate now running for controller. And the controller seat is a real stepping stone to, uh, to City Hall. You know, you saw Anise Parker do it. You saw Kathy Whitmire do it. You know, I think these people are thinking long term. At the same time, the mayor's race is still getting heated. We had our first mayoral debate, or at least the first I've heard of. Now, Sheila Jackson Lee wasn't there. Senator Whitmire wasn't there. It was at the IBEW Hall. But it was fascinating to see these people still uh, running at, uh, at full speed, even while the top two candidates weren't there. And it was also interesting because Gilbert Garcia, former Metro chair, endorsed the Fair for Houston campaign for equitable, equal representation on the Houston-Galveston Area Council. I'll be honest, they need to do a better job of marketing those debates because I didn't even know it happened. Like, it just went by. No, me either. I didn't know it happened until afterwards. <laughs> Yo, I was thinking the same thing because I know me and my friends would have loved to get, grab some popcorn and 
sit in the audience and judge the heck out of these candidates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's all kicking up now with election seasons. I'm going to add my biggest story quickly. So we know for, you know, for the last two years, demand for housing has gone up. We, it feels like there's been more traffic. It feels like there's just more people in the city. And guess what? New census data shows that Houston is the second fastest growing metro in the United States, right behind Dallas. And between July 2021 and July 2022, the nine county Houston metro area, which includes the Woodlands, the Sugarland area as well, added 125,000 residents to its population. And our region's population now stands at 7.34 million. So that explains why the demand for housing was so high. And we all felt it. We just felt like it was growing. The numbers actually back that up. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. All right, let's talk about our most overlooked story of the week. Uh, Shiam, what do you got? They're turning a landfill in the Sunnyside neighborhood in Houston into a solar farm. And part of this development includes job training for the local community. They know that jobs are going to be created and they want the jobs um, to be rooted in the local community. And I thought that was so freaking smart and forward thinking. And the people behind this effort are like longtime community folks who have been working in the Sunnyside neighborhood. Um, and I just, I was like, this is the kind of energy stories I want to see out of Houston, especially since Evan is always tweeting like ominous oil and gas <laughs> tweets, like, oh, bad news for Houston. Like, oh, and I'm just like, we need more solar farms. No, I, I think you're spot on to something, particularly as I just saw some stats this week that Texas has eclipsed California when it comes to solar production. Whoa. I wish our state leaders loved this too. It used to be that Texas was all of the above. And now a lot of our state leaders say, well, actually, we don't like these renewables. We're worried about them. Uh, we think they're problems. I know, just like, just take it. It's great, particularly to see solar going up in places where you probably can't do anything else. If you have an old uh, garbage dump, it's got chemicals in the soil. You probably don't want homes there. You're worried about carcinogens. Like, well, what can we put there? We can put solar panels. That's really good to see. And, you know, kudos to us. We are embracing it. Evan, what was your most overlooked story? So my most overlooked story is beneath the headlines about the region's population growth. Yes, Houston grew by about 125,000 people, but it was the Houston multi-county region. The city itself is basically flat. And I think we need to pay attention to that. And even more shocking is that while Harris County grew, which is good news, it grew because of international in-migration and people having new babies. Domestic migration was actually negative. About 20,000 people moved out of the county. That is astounding that we are having the same uh, population flows that you see in places like New York City, Chicago, LA, regions that are shrinking where you have a lot of domestic out-migration and you are relying on international movement to keep the cities where they are. 
So troubling signs in terms of people are moving out and heading to whether it be the suburbs, a different city. Why is that? Why do you think, Evan? That's a very good question. And I'm trying to figure it out. I think that a lot of it is that people see a more affordable housing, say in Montgomery County or Fort Bend County. I think that maybe people are just growing older. They're moving out of their apartments or smaller homes and into bigger homes. Uh, maybe that there are problems in parts of the county that we aren't necessarily seeing. I thought that this trend would have ended after COVID, but if the whole region is starting to grow again, really the biggest growth since 2016, then what's going on in Harris County? I don't know. So many different factors for sure, but housing has to be one of the top mm -hmm. factors, just more affordable to live in the suburbs. But even that, I'm telling you, just somebody who lives in the suburbs, shopping for a new home in the suburbs, the demand is so high. The prices are extraordinarily high right now, and the interest rates aren't helping either, but people oh, are yeah. still buying houses, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you work, the uh, transit costs, the travel costs could end up eating whatever savings you have if you move out to the suburbs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to head to the sports world for the most overlooked story. So the Astros finally put the 2017 cheating scandal to bed by winning the World Series last year, and everyone was celebrating them, and they're not cheaters anymore. Well, this week, a player from that 2017 team, Evan Gaddis, who was a catcher, a backup catcher, started tweeting about how, yes, we cheated, and here's how we did it. And yes, I was using PEDs at times during my career. He just went on a Twitter tirade and... Like just when we put that whole cheating scandal to bed, it resurfaces one more time with information we knew. Look, the Astros cheated. There's no denying it. They cheated. But when we finally moved on, can we not have players from that roster tweet about how they did it against who they did it against? Because it just turns into a whole mess of a headline issue again. What do you think? Do you think it was like pettiness? What did, do you have any read on that, Raheel? I think he was just a little drunk. He might have been a little drunk. I don't yeah. know. He it's like you don't have to tweet. Yeah. Like you don't have to tweet it. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on. What are we doing here? Why Why are you doing this and playing into the one thing that we hate here in the city when we talk about our Astros is bringing up the cheating scandal. And he's a beloved figure. Evan Gaddis was a beloved figure amongst Astros fans. We all love him. He's a funny guy. He's a hardworking guy. And now he just ruined all of that because he brought back the cheating scandal. All right, let's go to our moment of joy. Let's end on a high note like we do every Friday. Shiam, what do you got for us? What is your moment of joy? My family, so it's Ramadan, and we've been trying new like shawarma places. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just been like really nice. I don't know. We had like a really nice iftar last night. The simplicity of like getting together and like the community during Ramadan has just been a continuous source of joy for me this month. Um, I took a friend out to Sheba Yemeni restaurant earlier this week. And then last night we tried, I forgot the name of the place, but it was like a new shawarma falafel place my family wanted to try. I'm glad I forgot the name because it wasn't my favorite. And I don't want to, <laughs> I don't, but it wasn't about having delicious tasting food. It was about the spiritual exploration. And then also just, trying new food. Wait, so where's the best shawarma place in Houston? Because I got to know. You know, Evan, that's like an entirely different episode. 
That's a Food Tuesday episode, Evan. Jeez, okay. Also, are you trying to get me in trouble with uh, Houston area Muslims? I'm trying to end on a good note here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Evan, what, what is your moment of joy for the week? Oh, my moment of joy for the week is that I've eaten the first tomatoes from my garden. The Yay. first Juliet tomatoes. Usually these things are kind of like Roma tomatoes, like small kind of plum tomatoes. These guys were huge. I don't know what I did right, but they're giant. I grilled them up with a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper, and some garlic. Delicious. And they're all about to turn. I'm going to have so many tomatoes. This is perfect tomato weather. We're going to have tomato salads. We're going to have gazpacho. We're going to have tomato jam on sourdough bread. Maybe just, just eat a whole tomato. Like yeah. eat it like an apple. Like we're going. We're going all in. I like it. A lot of tomatoes. All right. My moment of joy. So I've been lucky in my career to speak at many schools and many classes about my career and what I do and all that good stuff. And it's always a joy. And and I, I like speaking to minority schools, uh, you know, schools that mainly have minority students to show them that, hey, you can you can be in this career. You can be a broadcast journalist. You can do some cool stuff. Well, Today, I get to speak at my daughter's second grade class for Aww. career day. And I'm so excited because I am going to embarrass her. And she knows like what I do. And she sees me, you know, with the podcast and in my other jobs, like on TV and all that good stuff. But to do it in front of her class, I cannot wait. And that's going to be my moment of joy for the week when I get to say, yeah, your dad is kind of famous and she hates that. And it's so much fun to embarrass her. So to do it in front of the whole class, I can't wait. So your joy is through the embarrassment of seven-year-old little girl, your daughter. Is this the same daughter that loves wrestling? Yes, same daughter. Same oh my daughter. God. Yeah. This is bringing me joy. This is just so <laughs> wonderful. That's awesome. It's the best part of being a dad is to, uh, you know, annoy your daughter and embarrass her a little bit. That's what the joy is. All right. Well, awesome stuff this week. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all coming on. Thank you so much, Shiam. Thank you so much, Evan. Thanks, y'all. Have a good weekend. Great being with y'all. Talk to y'all later. That was Evan Mintz and Shiam Galyan. You can follow them on Twitter with the links in our show notes. Hey, what stories impacted you this week? Let us know by sending us a message via the links in our show notes. That's all for this week on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producer is Carleon Jones. Our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis. And the host is me, Rahil Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All The Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a look at firearm violence amongst the Houston youth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. I don't want any surprises ruined. Like, if I'm excited for a movie and a trailer comes on, I leave the room or I close my eyes and cover my ears and just start yelling so I don't even get sound spoilers.